Hey there, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Redeemed Through His Blood. Scott Durfee here, joined, as always, by Dave Durfee. What's up, Dave? Oh, great day, Scott. It's thankful to be able to talk about such an important principle of of the gospel, forgiving uh, ourselves and others in the repentance process. This is one where we, um, when we really get to start taking an introspective look, uh, there's so mu- so often, Dave, I think that, uh, you know, this uh, word forgiveness, which is really where we come to at this point in our discussion, but this word forgiveness is, it can contain and and hold on to so much emotion for so many of us that I, I just love when we're able to talk about this and maybe I've, personally it gives me an opportunity to kind of reflect and take another inventory, uh, which I should be doing on a more regular basis when it comes to forgiveness, both of myself and others. But yeah, you, know, you know, this really is where we uh, kind of go next, isn't it, in the discussion around repentance and forgiveness? Absolutely. So we've we've talked about the foundations of repentance. We've talked about the actions of repentance. And now we're talking about the manifestations of repentance, Scott. And the manifestations of repentance really are that the confession... By this, the Lord says in Doctrine and Covenants, section 58, by this you may know if a man has repented of his sins. He will confess them and forsake them. So those are manifestations or evidence of our repentance, confessing and forsaking. We've talked about those. Last week we talked about making restitution, again through the power and the atonement of Jesus Christ with grace and mercy and help enabling power and strength all along the way through this process scott the lord helps us blesses us through his atoning sacrifice and restitution we talked about that how uh, focusing on him suffering for what was lost as a result of our sins and that all can be restored even virtue can be restored if we have lost ours or have stolen it from someone else, that even virtue can be restored through the atonement of Jesus Christ, which I don't, we can't comprehend that or know how, but that's the miracle and power of Jesus Christ through his atonement. And now today, the final manifestation really of repentance, and I know it affects every single person out there, all of those who are listening, you and me and every member of our family, is the final uh, manifestation is the ability to forgive ourselves and to forgive others. And I know that so many people wrestle with this, Scott. It's it's so hard, and I I understand that. I've been there, and I know that it's hard, and everybody's circumstances are different. I can't compare my experiences to anybody else. Nobody else can compare their experiences to me or to you. So it it just depends. But, wow, there are some amazing miracles, Scott, that I know of in my own life and in the lives of others that through, again, Jesus Christ and his atonement, power can be given to us to forgive and to forgive to forgive others and to forgive ourselves it's it's really always troubled me for many years now scott when i hear people say you just have to forgive yourself you just got to forgive yourself you just got to move on and forgive yourself and i think don't please don't shortcut this process. Don't short-circuit it. Um, I really believe, Scott, that when someone understands that deity has forgiven them, when they truly feel forgiven by the Lord, when they can recognize the power, gift, and influence of the, of the Holy Ghost in their life, when they know that Jesus Christ's blood has been applied and wash their garments clean, and they feel clean, and they know it. Scott, it's quite simple after that to forgive yourself, and I 
I just, I just have this uh, hypothesis that others will have to experiment with. That I think uh, when someone knows they're forgiven, they will forgive themselves. That's why I think it's a manifestation of repentance. If if one wants to know if they've really repented, they will forgive themselves because because they have done all that was required of them, and they know that they're forgiven by the Lord. If the Lord forgives us, C.S. Lewis says, if the Lord God forgives us, who are we to be a higher tribunal and judge than God, even towards ourselves? So this is a manifestation of repentance because... um, one knows that they've been forgiven. Uh, one should know they've been forgiven, and one should feel the Spirit when they feel that the Lord has forgiven them, and then I think it's quite simple. Again, not always. Everybody's circumstance is different. I understand the psychological, emotional pains that can be caused by others in our lives, but they can forgive themselves, and they can forgive others through the power of Jesus Christ and his atonement and through the gift of the Holy Ghost. I I think that's one of the reasons why we don't just jump into forgiveness right out of the gate, right? I mean, this is ultimately the goal. It's kind of the final. It's kind of the end game uh, of why we do the repentance, right? Know you're forgiven and forgive yourself and others. That's right. That's kind of the end game of this whole repentance and turning to him process is to feel that forgiveness and to be able to afford ourselves that same forgiveness, which may sometimes even be... I don't know, arguably even more difficult. But, you know, if, if, we, if we were to just jump right to forgiveness and if we were to just say, hey, all right, everybody, let's everybody get together, forget everything that's happened. Let's just, have a, let's just talk about forgiveness and why it's so important. Uh, I mean, that would be, it would have some power. It would have some effect. Efficacious, There's no doubt. Efficacious. There, it, would, it would be inspiring yes, to bring a degree. Peace to some degree in our life. But... Until and unless we fully understand or begin to make a a full effort, that's probably the best way to say that, until we make a full effort to understand the atonement of Jesus Christ and go through the actions of repentance. Remember the actions of repentance, right? Crying out. If we we don't have that crying out experience, if we don't have the ability or or make an attempt to offer our whole souls in our sins, in our our broken lives, uh, all of the effects of the fall, if we don't make that effort to offer that to Him... Then this forgiveness part of it, uh, it will really be difficult, and in many cases, maybe even all uh, to uh, you know the full degree, impossible for us to achieve. So, yeah, you know, I think that it's important that we remember that that we bring all of those feelings and emotions back into this the conversation today, back into our into our souls and our psyches today as we begin to process and consider forgiveness of others and in in towards ourselves ultimately and you know maybe even finally i don't know but in our own lives that until we have that connection with and faith in jesus and faith in his name and the ability to make covenants and, and bring all of those things into our lives this is really a difficult thing so Having said that, as just kind of a preface to where we're going to go, uh, if, if for whatever reason we're feeling uneasy or if for whatever reason some of these things are really uh, difficult for us to swallow or consider, let's go back. Let's go back in time. Let's go back in our experience of what we've been talking about over the last quite a while now. Uh, let's go back and let's take into consideration that crying out and that offering our souls to him, because as we do that, then it makes it easier for us to do what we're talking about, David. Well, I, Scott, I know you've had the, the experience of knowing that you're forgiven of some of your sins or all of your sins, and this is, again, is a process. We're never through repenting in this life. Um, but I've And I've shared my experience of re, repenting over and over and over again, trying to become clean when I went on my mission and and uh, not knowing if I was worthy and writing letters home and trying to do everything I could. And 
and feeling guilty and and bad about myself, but working so hard to be a worthy missionary and and then I had that that experience in Pacific Grove, California, and and it was an experience. It was an event where I knew that I was clean. I knew that I was forgiven. From that moment on, I forgave myself. Still had regret. Still had you know some uh, some uh, some sorrowful feelings about about uh, my sins, as anybody I think would, but they didn't eat me up. I wasn't, uh, I, wa- I, was, I was guiltless, Scott. That's the only way I can describe it. I was guiltless. I was blameless. I didn't blame myself. I didn't blame others. I wasn't a victim I, of sin or victim of other sins. Scott, it, it completely changed the tra- trajectory of not only my mission, but of my life, to know that when one knows that they're forgiven, again, going through the actions, laying the foundations of repentance, and crying out with a broken heart, contrite spirit, offering our sins, sacrificing our will to God, and you feel this uh, confirmation uh, wash over you, that you are clean, that you are redeemed, that you are forgiven. Honestly, I didn't even have to try to forgive myself, Scott. And I just think so many people who are are having still a hard time, not, I know, I know there are some more with sensitive spirits and... Uh, it's it's i know it's complicated i'm not meaning to oversimplify this process but my experience is that it comes as a gift it's not something that i can just um through repetition uh i forgive myself i forgive myself i forgive myself i forgive myself yeah. and brainwash myself yeah. to be forgiven because that's not the way repentance or redemption works, but when one knows where they stand with God and that they've had a divine experience, it's, I don't even think you really need to try to forgive yourself. Well, because it it comes as part of the uh, effects of that divine experience that you're talking about, right? Because I, I, I haven't, uh, I've had that same experience that you just described now, but it's taken me a long time in my life to have that experience. You know, I tried to have that experience while I was on my mission and, and, uh, you know, maybe I did to a degree. I do remember a night in Renton, Washington, you know, where I had uh, just an absolute spiritual manifestation that if I hadn't have been forgiven, it would have been impossible for me to have that. I, I realized Yeah, there that, you go. You know, and I realized that then, you know, but, but since then, and and here's the, you know, here's what's really kind of clouded it for me is since then is I made a lot of other stupid decisions. I've made a a lot of other mistakes. I created a, a lot of, a lot more distance between me and the spirit by my own actions. And that's been difficult. It's not now, but that had been difficult for me to, to overcome by way of, uh, you know, offering forgiveness to myself at least. And I, I think that, you know, we'll talk about, um, forgiving ourselves as we go along, but I think right now we, we probably should talk more about forgiving others. Well, we should, because if we don't forgive others, God has said he won't forgive us. Right. So I, I, we are, I am kind of jumping ahead. We need to forgive others first mm-hmm. in order for God to forgive us. And then when God forgives us, it's easier for us to forgive ourselves. That's right. And I think it's, it's usually in that order. I actually believe, Scott, that, that that's one of the major roadblocks of us feeling forgiven, and it keeps us from forgiving ourselves, is our inability, unwillingness to receive the gift and the power from God through Jesus Christ and his atonement and the administration of the Holy Ghost in our life to forgive others. 
there's a lot of pain that people are experiencing and have experienced in their life. And I'm not saying that all of that goes away, psychological and, uh, and emotional pain and all of that, but they're able to let it go because they know that Jesus Christ has taken it from them and he carried it. Not only this is where the, the a, a miraculous part of the atonement of Jesus Christ that is incomprehensible, he not only paid for our sins and met the demands of justice, but he suffered for all of the sins committed against us, all of our suffering, all of our pains, all of our sicknesses caused by ourselves or others, and he did that through his suffering in Gethsemane and on the cross. So if we just are able to give it to him, then we don't have to carry it. You started off the uh, that uh, last um, thing that you just said with, you know, some of us have the inability or unwillingness to forgive others or ourselves. And, and and it feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like an inability, but it's not really an inability. We have the ability, but you but you hit you well, hit it is a gift. That gift has to come as a yes. gift of the spirit, and that gift of the spirit you just described that that gift of the spirit is the administration of the Holy Ghost in our lives, and then that gives us the ability. You know, we 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 it it does feel like sometimes our hands are tied. It does feel like sometimes, and I've experienced this, and I and I know there are others who have had to forgive others in their lives uh, with stories that I just can't even begin to comprehend personally. But, you know, as difficult as it, as it has been for me to sometimes forgive others right. in the past, but you, they, they, you hit the nail on the head, or you, you, you talked about the key of all of that, is to live my life in a way that allows the Spirit to be present in my life. When the Spirit's present in my, li- in my life, then that inability changes from not just inability, but it gives me not just the ability, but the desire because that desire, as I feel that desire, that draws me closer to him. And, and, you know, and I'm not sure which comes first or if it's all kind of at the same time. The desire to come closer or that drawing closer brings the desire. But, well, it may but, come all at once and, and, and all together. And I together. think that's the spiritual <laughs> gift, right? It's yeah. the willingness, desire, and strength. Yeah. And power. Yeah. And it's the, the willingness to receive that in our life that... that uh, Makes all the difference, Scott. You know, I, um, I think one of the hardest things to forgive is when we know that the actions of others have continued to kind of perpetuate the pain yeah. over and over and over, and it becomes intergenerational. And, it, you know, and it, anyway, I think, uh, for example, uh, sexual abuse. I, I have a son who's a sex offender. You know, this little boy that we adopted, a little boy in 1991 when we adopted him, and now now he's a man, and uh, he's been in prison, and I, I listeners, I know, know this. But anyway, one of the hardest things to do to, in forgiving others is when you know the pain they have caused those that you love and even people that maybe you've never met before, and your heart goes out to those individuals where there have been victims in the wake of others' choices, decisions, and actions. And when, I, honestly, Scott, I, when you see your wife weep and wail and cry, and, or you see others who you love you know, who are deeply hurt because of the actions of others. It's pretty hard to, to, no one can take that lightly and just brush that aside. Uh, it, it hurts you if others who you really love are hurting. And, um, you know, I, I've experienced that. I think, um, the greatest pain of my life is not what others have done to me, but what others have done to members of my family who I, who I love. And it's harder for me to forgive those individuals who have hurt members of my family. 
in the case of our son, the pain that he caused my sweetheart, the pain that he's caused others, you would think, Scott, that that would be really hard for me to forgive. And I know that in some families that um, may, that could almost destroy a family, yeah. right? Yeah, I've seen that. We both yeah, have. Yeah, that, uh, that individual, that prodigal, that prodigal son yep. could be, um, <clears throat> what's the word? Could be cast out. Yeah, shunned. Diso- shunned. Yeah, shunned. And shunned. Disowned. Disowned. Yeah, yeah. Ashamed of. Yeah. There's just so many emotions that. And it happens all the time in families. Yeah. But honestly, Scott, and I'm not. This is nothing I did or that I've done or that I claim claim to be uh, worthy of. But how did the father forgive the prodigal? How did he? watch and wait and yeah. and yet the other brother in that parable in Luke 15 the prodigal son how how did that self-righteous brother uh, hold on to the bitterness of his dad throwing a celebration or party for the return of his son and uh, honestly Scott it it has to do with where you're at in your understanding and relationship with understanding of and relationship with Jesus Christ and his atonement. I, I, Because of my understanding of Jesus Christ and his atonement, it, it could just totally immobilize me or shut me down if I thought about all of the pain that my son has caused others. That happens to some. Yes. In fact, some people will... It shuts them down so much they... They either leave, leave um, lose social contacts that shuts them down as far as their social relationships or maybe even church and yeah, other relationships, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. But if you understand the atonement of Jesus Christ and the compensatory yeah. blessings and powers of the atonement of Jesus Christ, even though I'm sad... yeah. My heart is so filled with gratitude for Jesus Christ and his atonement that there's no bitterness towards my son because I know the Savior has covered that and that any negatives that come out of that, that those individuals will be covered unconditionally by the atonement of Jesus Christ. Again, it still makes me sad. I know there will be negatives, but... I. I'm not bitter and I'm not hopeless because I know that the atonement of Jesus Christ covers it. Yeah. So there, again, is one of the foundations of the process of repentance is to understand fully the power and gift of the atonement of Jesus Christ. There's something I kind of want to speak to a little bit right there. You said, and you're, you're right on this, you said that it's through the compensatory powers that come to you and others in your family through the atonement of Jesus Christ that allows this or gives the, you the ability to have this experience in your life, which yes. is peace-producing and joy-producing, yes. right? So we get that. But I, But I would also say that the redemptive powers and the enabling powers come in with just as much force and efficacy as what you're talking about. Because to know that your son yeah. and you and all that of us covered too. have been redeemed, yeah. purchased, right. we have been purchased already. Regardless right. of our response to that redemption, we have been rede- redeemed. Right. So that's that's a part of it. The other one is, exactly. is because of the enabling powers that come to you and others in your family through Christ's atonement, his power through his atonement, that gives you the power, the ability to do what you just said as well. Now, having said all that, it's easy, you know, and, and, and I want to be sensitive and careful because I know that there are maybe some of our listeners uh, that are really struggling still with um, this concept of forgiving others, and maybe with great reason, and I have zero judgment, and it's important. Well, it's not easy. It's important that we say that, too. Right. That, you know, we're not here saying, look right. at us, it's we've done this perfectly, and you should, too. More, we don't want to oversimplify it. No, but but the question always comes to me, and I've had uh, one of the blessings, one of the gifts that's come to me uh, as um, being a part of for my own recovery and to help others, you know, 24-plus years, 
in Alcoholics Anonymous and other recovery programs. One of the blessings that has come to me from that is the ability to see. Uh, so, for example, you know, I, what, what your son, for example, perpetrated, and there's no other way to call it, right. what he perpetrated was a response to perpetration against him at some point. It's true, you know, fetal alcohol... And, baby, and, and we don't know abuse. he went. He was abused as a infant, and uh, and we don't know what his abusers. No, we don't went through. No, we don't, Scott. And we don't know what their abusers went through. And exactly. and and Where on does it stop? and on it goes. And so maybe maybe this maybe if if viewed in the right light, and we shed the light of Christ on this, maybe that helps us to see how blessed we really are, and through those blessings, it can soften our hearts and give us the ability to, with at least sympathy, you know, and, and sometimes for me, it's created a great deal of sadness in my heart for somebody who has perpetrated against others, grievous, I mean, terrible, terrible things, yes. but if we knew, and sometimes we right. get the have the ability to know, but if we knew, my gosh, I, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know how... I don't know how some people get through the things that they've gone through, and it doesn't come out worse than it actually has. Well, you, you know what's interesting about this, Scott, since we're talking about the cycle, uh, you know, the intergenerational cycle of sin that's repeated over and over and over again, generation to generation to generation. Somebody has to break that cycle, and the, the only one who can is the one who understands the atonement of Jesus Christ, and applies his, the Christ, our Savior's blood, in their lives, and they're washed clean. It is so interesting, and I'm sure all of our listeners can think of someone, I'm thinking of someone right now who I'm, who I'm dealing with and trying to help, and who's, who's close to me, who, you know, despised the actions of his father, you know, despised his father's actions when he was a young, when my friend was a young man. And now he's repeating the same sins of his father. And honestly, I'm, I guess I can't speak for him, but I think he uses that partly as an excuse or an entitlement. Yeah. Well, and so often, he's a victim. That's so right. he leaves all these other victims in his wake. Yeah. Scott, it, honestly, I, I and I don't, I, I'm, not, right. I'm not the judge, but and I don't mean to sound harsh, but it's, it has to stop. The cycle has to stop, and it can only stop when an individual fully understands and applies. The power of Jesus Christ through his atonement in their lives. Yeah. And if my son, I guess the great regret I have is that somehow I didn't teach my son well enough to really understand and appreciate that about his, his own life and uh, that the atonement of Jesus Christ was not as active or had not been activated to the extent that it needed to be for him to stop the cycle and again, maybe some people can't stop the cycle. I'm not the judge. I don't know their mental state, how they're wired, uh, chemical imbalance, all of that. It's so complicated, I know. Yeah. But I know Jesus Christ also knows, and I know that there are individuals like and uh, uh, Alma uh, and his children who can break that cycle, Abraham, Abraham who broke the cycle, of having a wicked father who was involved in terrible things, and, and Abraham becomes the father of nations. So I, I know there's so many examples of that. We even have living prophets. President Nelson, I'm sure he had great parents, but he had parents who weren't active in the church and tells a story about going in the basement and breaking whiskey bottles. And yet and yet look at what he becomes. And, and he would be the first to tell us that it was because of his understanding and applying the atonement of Jesus Christ in his life. So the whole key to this process of forgiving others is the application 
again, of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life. Uh, so, uh, I think in the book, uh, Elder Anderson wrote, Scott, one of my favorite uh, stories in that chapter on this uh, principle or this point, this manifestation or evidence of repentance is page uh, 227. And uh, maybe, maybe I can just read part of it or paraphrase. Thank you. Uh, he, t- You know, Richard Norby, who's also a friend, who was uh, involved in the Institute of Religion program, as I was, was the senior missionary who was bombed in Brussels. And when the bomb went off, he was in the zero zone where anybody in that zone should have been killed. And he miraculously wasn't, but had he is, he was forever and ever the rest of his mortal life affected by that event. And, uh, anyway, he was badly burned and, and, uh, spent months and months and months in rehabilitation. And, um, he has, he has really suffered and continues to feel the effects of it, of it daily. And um, Elder Anderson actually gave, uh, in one of his conference talks, tells the story about Brother Norby. Well, it, Richard Norby, and this is in on page 227 of the book, Elder Anderson says, Richard Norby, when he thinks about what has happened to him, and the the victim that he was. He does not think about the terrorists. He chooses not to focus on the terrorists or the bomb, but rather he chooses to focus on Jesus Christ and the cross. That's what he chooses to think about. I've heard Brother Norby actually tell other, others that, and uh, that's the key to it. Our thoughts should immediately turn to Jesus Christ when we either become victims or we um, have loved ones. Our loved ones become victims from the sins of others. Jesus not only suffered for the sins of all the world, Scott, but he suffered for all the negative effects of all the sins of all the world. And we not only need the power of Christ through his atonement in our life to be forgiven of sins, but we need the power of Christ through his atonement to be able to forgive sin. And I I just... It's just a matter of looking to Christ, look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not, and um, see the wounds in my hands and feet. I think that if, if that be, if that could be our focus, it's so much easier to forgive. It, the, the prophets are good at this. Um, Elder Anderson uh, writes some things, but I'll stop there for a minute, Scott, for you to to respond to anything you would like to say about it. I'm just, as you're talking, I'm just having a few experiences go through my recollection mind, right? A few, because initially I think, you know, have I ever really been offended to the point where it would be difficult for me to forgive somebody? And and apparently, you know, as I think on that, um, apparently the Spirit does a good job in helping us to also not just forgive, but sometimes even forget, at least maybe on a temporary basis. But, you know, as I put my mind back in process and think about some of the things, I'm, I recall an experience that I had. Um, I was maybe four or five years sober and I'm in a meeting and a, and a man walks into a meeting. He's brand new and I'd never hadn't, hadn't seen him. I'd seen him, but not in a meeting. Uh, and this man, um, and I'm not going to go into any detail because some of our listeners, you know, that it, it will affect, but, but there, this man walks in and had created, um, a, a ton of turmoil, it, not just in my life, but in the life of a lot of people that I loved. Mm-hmm. And, and 
at that point in my recovery, and that point in my recovery from not just alcoholism, but from the natural man, uh, that point in my recovery, you know, this was something that was still really difficult for me to deal with, David. Mm-hmm. And and I had my sponsor was there, uh, not LDS, but uh, great great man, and he was there, and he could tell something was disturbing me. And when the meeting was over, he come up to me and he says, "What in the heck is wrong with you?" And I explained to him. He already knew the situation because we had talked about it, and it had been a point of of um, concern and a point of aggregate aggravation for me for for a few five or six years actually up to this point now he hadn't offended me directly but had others in my family people that I loved my my sponsor his name was John at the time said to me he says what is wrong with you and I told him I said that's the guy and I says and I know what you're going to tell me you're going to tell me go pray for him he says I'm not going to tell you to pray for him until you can pray for you he said, you need to get right. You need to be okay with this, you know? And, and that helped me. Now, that guy and I, he's passed now, unfortunately. He died from uh, uh, really sad, tragic situations later. But uh, he and I, you know, over the years, this has been 16, no, this has been almost 20 years ago now. But over the years, he and I became not just friends, not just acquaintances, but we were able to put stuff aside and become kind of close to each other because what I was able to realize is that he had been through some really difficult things in his yeah. life. And when I learned of those things, yeah. my empathy for him just Your compassion just swelled within me, yeah. you know, and he for me. And, you know, it's just really interesting how as we see the Savior and come to know him, like we've talked about, which is so important, how we begin to see each other and others differently than that. And, and when we talk about forgiveness, David, one of the Savior's um, great roles, and he has many, but one of his great roles is not to just provide a way for us to be forgiven, but to also provide that forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And when we... The power to forgive. When we exercise that same power in our own lives, mm-hmm. we might not ever be more Christ-like than we are in those moments, yeah. David. So, so Scott, we, we haven't discussed this, but let me just ask you a question. Why wouldn't someone pray to God for power to forgive others? Yeah, yeah. And, and Why wouldn't they? There's several reasons. I, I want you to talk about this and to talk about what is the payoff yeah. that some people have yep. by not forgiving? What's the payoff by being a victim, or what's the payoff for being angry and bitter towards others for the hurt they've caused you or loved ones? What's the payoff? I have a lot of experience with this because of my association with uh, these kinds of things in recovery specifically. You know, I've I've seen it also in, you know, my various uh, church responsibilities and callings, but I've seen it more, probably more frequently in recovery. There is a payoff. Uh, For example, let's just all consider, you know, we make a mistake and it's a big mistake and, and it's embarrassing and, you know, and it causes somebody harm and, and down the road it's, you know, it's been months, maybe even years, and it creates all kinds of hell in our own lives. And because of that hell that we're experiencing in our own lives, we develop a new personality and that personality um, has a lot to do with um, I can't be responsible and we begin to decline in our responsibility and we begin to decline in our ability to have positive social interaction and we begin to de- just kind of decline in all areas of our lives. When that happens, and I know many of us, as I'm even saying this, are probably relating to that, thinking, yeah, that's me right now, or yeah, that's been me in the past. I definitely have felt that, and and maybe this is something I can watch out for in the future, because here's what happens. At some point, we find ourselves, and I've seen this, maybe I've even experienced it to a degree in my own life, but one day we wake up and we say, who am I and how in the heck did I get here? My life is so much different than I thought it would be. I'm not happy. I'm not joyous. I'm not free from the bondage of the, the, uh, the circumstances yeah. and, and many, many other things. And so it's created a, a, a person of me who has become irresponsible to all of the things responsible in my life. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. And so if that's the case, there is a certain, you know, we read in, in uh, we, I think we read it just a couple of weeks ago. Maybe you can uh, tell us a reference. But, you know, Satan 
he'll lull us away, causing us to say, yea, all is well in Zion, yea, yeah. Zion prosperous. And so when he does that, he has, or when we do that, he has the ability in us to create that sense of apathy, that sense of not trying, that sense of giving up, that sense, and we're justified in our that, not. That sense of not being accountable. Yeah. Big one. Right? Yeah. A big, big, big. If I'm a victim. Then why could I be accountable? Then I'm not accountable. If I'm bitter. Then why could I be accountable? Right. Accountable to what? Accountable to just being a decent person sometimes. The payoff is that it becomes an excuse. That's exactly it. For my unhappiness or my misery or my, my sins that I commit. And we, we use it, don't we? To yeah, be... we, we do. And the fallacy there is, is we think, well, it would be too much work because we have two choices. You know, we've talked in the past, there's two wolves that live inside us, you know, the old Indian proverb, right? right? Uh, Native American proverb. There's whichever two, one you feed. Which one you feed, that's the one. Anger, peace, joy, Sorrow. I mean, and, the, and we can contrast these two wolves in however way we want to. In this way, we're, we're uh, ca- categorizing them in peace, sorrow, forgiveness, non-forgiveness. They're kind of the same, yeah. right? And, and so if, if, I, if I hold on to that and harbor that, and I don't have to be responsible for the hard work that in my mind I see in front of me, if I were to overcome this challenge or if I were to become responsible for my own feelings, emotions, and attitudes, etc., that's going to take a ton of work. What we don't realize... That it's on me, not on them. It's on, if, if we see it that way, yeah, right? Which is erroneous. Right. It's not on me, right. but that's, the enemy wants us to see it as being on me because then it makes it more daunting, more impossible for me to accomplish what I want what I say I want to accomplish. Yeah. I say I want joy. I say I want peace. Well, do I really? Because is, or is the payoff to stay stuck? Uh, you know, and I'll just call it that. To, if the payoff to stay stuck yeah. is greater than the payoff to get well, will stay stuck. Yeah. And sometimes that payoff to stay stuck is I get people paying attention to me. I don't have to apologize when I'm wrong. Everybody walk on eggshells around me. I have a chip on my shoulder. I mean, and it can, and, and maybe not even that way. Maybe I've withdrawn. It's, I've become a, It's a role. Exactly. It's a role they feel they have to fulfill. And it can look a lot like, of different it, ways. At the heart of it, it becomes an identity. And, and that's the, right. And Satan has put a certain identity on them, and they feel like that's who they really, truly are. And and really, Scott, I I, I don't want to sensationalize it, but but it's Satan who uses these things against us. That's right. And 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 he'll say and he'll whisper to us, "It's so that would be so hard to change. That would be so hard to forgive. It would be so hard to become unstuck." And, and it. Uh, and it's really not. Yeah. It's just. It's really just focusing on Jesus Christ. I know it takes effort. I know it takes focus. I know it takes work. It takes great fair prayer. It ta- it takes a lot of faith. You know, there's work involved in it. But the the payoff of that is peace and love and joy and all the fruits of the spirit. I, I all of, all of us. You and me, all our listeners, need to ask ourselves: Am I stuck? You know what? What? What am I stuck on? What? What have I not? Yeah, I, and been I th- able to let go and move on from. That's the right way to ask that question because we're all stuck in some place in our lives, and at some level, we're all stuck. It's part of the the effects of the fall. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and as we see that, I'm stuck as being the big payoff in our life. Because again, if I'm stuck, for example, I won't have to, if I, if I'm stuck in, and I don't want, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I know there are levels of depression that are organic, that can't be controlled. I get all that. I really do. And I realize that some, so much of that is not a choice, but sometimes it can be. And when it is, that choice can be Mm -hmm. so comfortable for us to just sit in our own garbage mm-hmm. and and not have to take any action, and it's the not no taking accountability. Action. That's it. Yeah. No agency. Yeah. We choose to be acted upon yep. instead of choosing to yeah. act. That's right. Right. Second Nephi chapter 
to Nephi over or Lehi, teaching us over and over again. And, and uh, finally, Scott, on this on this principle, and we can't say this strong enough. It's a commandment. It is a commandment to forgive others. Jesus has repeated it. It's his own words from his own mouth over and over again in the scriptures. We are commanded to forgive. And if we don't forgive, he won't forgive us. We will not be forgiven. And on that point, Nephi said that, speaking to his father, I know the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them, that they may accomplish the thing which he commandeth them. Well, and maybe no other commandment is that more obvious than in this one, where it's not us who really can do it. It's a gift from him. He will prepare a way for us that we will forgive if we will pray for it, if we will desire it, if we'll exercise faith in our efforts to forgive, he will prepare a way and he will help us to keep this commandment. But we just have to really emphasize there is a commandment. It is, it is an essential commandment to the promise and the blessing to be able to be forgiven and to forgive ourselves is that we must forgive others. Yeah. And and that is when, again, we, in my estimation, that's when we become Christ-like in a way that we will never be able to become Christ-like without having done so. I mean, right. it's just period. End of conversation right there. I mean, that's just really what it's all about. I, I just don't think the words... I mean, these are really powerful, strong words in Doctrine and Covenants 64, verse 9. Wherefore I say unto you that ye ought to forgive one another, for he that forgiveth not his brother his trespasses standeth condemned before the Lord, for there remaineth in him the greater sin. That's amazing, Scott, that the greater sin of us not being willing to forgive others, the greater sin is in us than those who have even hurt us. I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive, but of you it is required to forgive all men. All men. And, and Scott, I know, you know, there's just so much unrest and... um, uh, confusion and uh, people being upset, contentious, angry because of what others are doing, who we may not even have a personal relationship with. You know, it may be political, it may be others that we hear about, or we watch the news, or whatever, and it gets us so upset. And and we have to forgive. We have to forgive on a daily basis. Really, if we want peace and if we want the Spirit of the Lord, we have to forgive on a daily basis. And we should pray for ourselves right, to but, do that. And we should pray for others. There you go. Anyway, I, I just... Well, I, and, and, you know, and as we're praying for others, I, and, and I do this, one of the prayers that as I'm praying for my, you know, in quotation marks here, enemies, which we're counseled to do, which I really don't have enemies, but those that may offend me, or as I'm praying for those, what I'm really praying for, David, and you said this a few minutes ago, is Satan will try to confuse us of our identities and confuse us of other people's identities, right? Yes. And and so, you know, what I pray for is, Heavenly Father, bless me to see him the way you do. Mm -hmm. That would be a good prayer. Bless me to understand, maybe not in detail, but or maybe in detail or whatever, but whatever would be your will, bless me with the ability to know. Yeah. You know, what, what challenges, what, what fears, what is it in this person's life would create this kind of behavior? Yeah, that's so good, Scott. And then also, David, be, and I'm, you're going to make another point here, but before you do that, you, you talked about 
the Savior gives us a great example, you know, and he, and he talks to us throughout all of Scripture and talks to us about the importance of forgiveness and, and how we can do it. But he gave us the greatest example while he's hanging on the cross. Yes. One of the very few final yes. things he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Thank you. Uh, Elder Holland, just a few years ago in the October General Conference 2018, Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Christ taught, I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive. But of you it is required, commanded, to forgive all men. It is, however, important, this Elder Holland, it is, however, important for some of you, living in real anguish, to note what he did not say. He did not say, you are not allowed to feel true pain or real sorrow from the shattering experiences you have had at the hand of another. Nor did he say, in order to forgive fully, you have to re-enter a toxic relationship or return to an abusive, destructive circumstance. He didn't say that. But notwithstanding even the most terrible offenses that might come to us, we can rise above our pain, but only when we put our feet onto the path of true healing. And that path is the forgiving one walked by Jesus of Nazareth. I, I know, uh, Scott, that there is pain and there is hearts that are shattered and there, there are uh, wet pillows at night because of of uh, all of the pain in the world and the pain that sin causes. And I, I just really love how Elder Anderson worded this uh, paragraph. It's one of my one of my favorite here in uh, his book, The Divine Gift of Forgiveness. Elder Anderson wrote, Forgiveness is not excusing accountability or failing to protect ourselves, our families, and other innocent victims. Forgiveness is not continuing in a relationship with someone who is not trustworthy. Forgiveness is not condoning or excusing injustice. Forgiveness is not dismissing the hurt or the disgust we feel because of the actions of others. Forgiveness is not forgetting, but it is remembering in peace. I uh, that may take some time for others, yeah. more time for others than maybe others. And, and that, re- that rem- again, that comes as a gift. But re- it's it's not forgetting. I don't think forg- forgiving is forgetting. I think, again, it's a gift from God that we don't forget, actually, mm-hmm. so that we won't be hurt over and over and over again by maybe the same individuals. Uh, but, for, but forgiving is remembering it or what them or whatever in peace. Through Jesus peace. Christ. Yes. Through yes. Jesus Christ. That's the key. And, and President Uchtdorf, when he was uh, in the First Presidency, he... He made this statement. Remember, heaven is filled with those who have this one thing in common. They are forgiven, and they forgive. I love that. Remember, heaven is filled with those who have this one thing in common. They are forgiven, and they forgive. Lay your burden at the Savior's feet, he says. Let go of judgment. Allow Christ's atonement to change and heal your heart. Love one another. Forgive one another. The merciful will obtain mercy. That's from the April. An amazing talk on forgiveness, by the way, by President Uchtdorf in April of uh, 2012. So I know it's a commandment, and I know that it's a commandment that we can all keep. Not easy, no commandments are, but so worth the effort because of the peace it brings. And we've been promised, Scott, 
one of my favorite scriptures in, well, I think it's my favorite section of the Doctrine and Covenants, section 93. And in section 93, it's kind of John the Baptist uh, recounting his little experience with Jesus. And, uh, and we have this really precious line, you shall receive grace for grace. I know that's true for us. I know that as we offer grace and mercy to others, that it always comes back to us. Uh, and also one of my favorite lines from Preach My Gospel, and I'm sure it's in the new Preach My Gospel as well, but this is, um, it, uh, as our understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ increases, our ability to forgive others and ourselves increases. I, I, know, that's, I know that's true. So I, I hope that all of us can... Think about uh, who it is that maybe we need to forgive, who it is that is maybe uh, making it difficult for us to, to move on and make the progress that we need, progression that we need to make, to, who are kind of, uh, because we're stuck, root-bound, we're not growing the way we should grow because our roots are not sunk deep, deep enough into the atonement of Jesus Christ, and we are not receiving uh, the blood and the uh, blessings of the atonement of Jesus Christ into our life as it should be ministered into our life through the gift of the Holy Ghost. So I, I, I just hope and pray that uh, all of us can ponder how this may apply to us because ultimately it's the final manifestation of our efforts to repent and to be forgiven by God is us receiving the gift, paying the price, doing the work to receive the gift of being able to forgive others, that we might be able to be forgiven and then forgive ourselves, which we'll talk more about. And I, I, I think, Scott, one last thing for me is a lot of people maybe ask the question or asking them, themselves right now, how do I know if I have forgiven them? I think it's been helpful over the years as I've taught this and have experimented with this in my own life. I have just a little list here of how do you know you have forgiven others. One, you are able to pray for them sincerely. Two, you see them as a child of God with mercy and grace. Three, you feel God's love for them. You get a glimpse of how he sees them and feel his love for them. Four, you are not angry or bitter. Five, you have no resentment towards them. Six, you understand and feel the Lord's love and the power of his atonement in your own life. When, when you can, all of those are, I think, um, evidences of how do we know if we have forgiven others even though, again, there may be still some pain, there may be still some sorrow, there may still be some hurt, but you know you've forgiven, and you know that it's only a matter of time before even our tears, he will wipe away our tears from our eyes, and that it will all be behind us. There's a, there's a deep freedom that comes when we find the ability to forgive others. There's, a, there's a, just an absolute sense of release from that bondage when that happens. I've seen it. I've felt it in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of others. And, and I invite us all as we conclude here today that uh, let's, as we go through this week, and especially as we sit at the sacrament table this Sunday and we renew covenants and commitments and our love and devotion to to him to Jesus and to our heavenly father but as we're sitting there i hope it's i hope it's in our hearts and i hope that it's on our thoughts and on our minds 
to be praying for ourselves and those for whom we should be providing and extending at some point forgiveness, as we've been commanded to do. Uh, it's it's our prayer, it's our hope that all of us will fill not just our own redemption, but the redemption of others, and that we will have the ability to see others in our lives and in their lives the way our Heavenly Father sees them. I'm grateful to know that through His atonement, all, things, all these things are possible. Uh, thanks for being with us. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, have a great week, everybody.